Welcome to ACME Talks and Live Events. You are listening to a podcast from the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. This talk has been recorded in front of a live studio audience. This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes, which may not be suitable for younger audiences. And the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. You're listening to Splendid Chats, recorded live at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image in Melbourne on the 21st of November, 2013. Silence. Pre-show mode has been activated. I am your warm-up Dalek. My purpose is to prepare inferior beings for comedic recordings. Silence! Humans, you have been brought here to celebrate 50 years of the Daleks! What what are you doing? I cannot hear you. That is not my audio receptor. That is also incorrect. Stop that! Stop, or you will be exterminated! My superior Dalek intellect calculates that the human was trying to tell me something in secret. Thankfully, I am an excellent lip reader. He said this podcast does not celebrate the Daleks. It celebrates the enemy of the Daleks, the Doctor. This cannot be true. Oh, it is true. I must commence joke sequence before the audience notices my mistake. I just flew in from Scarrow for this gig. And boy, are my levitation units tired. That is funny, because I did not fly here myself. I came on a Dalek saucer. Have you ever been on a Dalek saucer? What is the deal with saucer nutrition packs? I do not know, because my internal systems provide all necessary nourishment. But they do not look very appetizing. Speaking of things which are not very appetizing, have you ever eaten Cyberman food? I have not, but I hate Cybermen. Cybermen are not like Daleks. When we exterminate, they delete. What does that even mean? Do they conquer humans by erasing data? Are they all like, halt, or I will remove the funds from your Mikey card? Local reference successfully deployed. (laughs) I calculate you are now 14.6% warmer, which is not within acceptable parameters, but your enjoyment is not required. Your function is to appreciate the show, which will now commence. Audience will start applauding. Applaud, applaud, or you will be exterminated. Appreciate, appreciate. It's time 
Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Splendid Chaps. It's, it's very exciting to be here. This is, of course... Um, now, look, uh, let's just do a quick check. How many of you have been to Splendid Chaps before? How many of it, you are new? I was going to say, John, it can't <gasps> possibly be all of them. <laughs> How exciting. Look, basically, for all year, to celebrate the 50th anniversary, we'll be doing one podcast a month in which we look at... Don't laugh. The regulars are aware the whole one podcast a month thing went a bit wrong. Um, in which we look at one of the Doctors and a bigger theme of Doctor Who, in order. Uh, so, 11 shows, 11 Doctors. Uh, the BBC's lying about the 11 Doctors. We've been lying about the 11 shows. We're up to show 26. This is, this is, this is what are they calling him? This is the war episode. <laughs> no. So, we're here to celebrate 50 years of Doctor Who. We're also here to celebrate, in particular, the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. Hey! hey! And we're also looking at the, the concept of the future in Doctor Who. Because you and I are both interested in the future. It is where we will spend the, the rest, rest of, of our lives. lives. <laughs> <laughs> to, to quote Plan 9 from Outer Space. Wow. Um, and so we, we have guests. We have a, an amazing song for you tonight. Our musical act. We always have a musical act. We have Casey Bonetto, who wrote Keating the Musical. Uh, has written us a brand new song. It is amazing. And it will be played by Casey and our house band, The Time Lads. We love the Time Lads. You know, and I, I think Time Lads, I really like that name because it, it, it bridges the canon between Time Lord and Time Tot. <laughs> and we didn't write Time Tot. It's Douglas Adams' fault. Now, we, we also always have one more person, our co-host... Petra Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. There's Hi, everybody. Another thing we do, of course, like at Splendid Chaps, is a bit of half-assed cosplay. So, uh, <laughs> what, what, what have you come as today? Half-assed, John? I'll have you know this is a real bow tie that I tied with my own hands. Ooh. And you know who doesn't know how to do that? Any of the doctors. <laughs> with, well, maybe John Pertwee. It's really hard to tell if he's a real ones or not. But, uh, yes, so I have, I have come, obviously, in Matt Smith's uh, wedding and or getting killed regalia. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you wear the same thing to both? I think it's nice it doubles up. That's quite good. Yeah, well, it's because so often you buy an outfit for a wedding you can never use again. <laughs> and uh, the 11th Doctor seemed to find a way. And, and I see that you've, uh, you've come as a, as a bit of a river song sort of vibe there. What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? You have no memory of river song. Who are you? I, 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 I've, I've actually come dressed as a silent. Um... <laughs> But, oh, yeah. No, no, but it's more. This is so awesome. I, I, I need to make sure I didn't forget to tell you. Look, look, look. See the cufflinks? I have silent cufflinks. I'm dressed as my cufflinks. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. It's just, it's just amazing. That's amazing, John. That's fantastic. Oh, oh, oh something that I just remember to tell you. Yeah, I, what's I've got these silent cufflinks. So see the silent cufflinks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when we reuse a joke in a slightly different context. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's good, though. Hello, uh, warm-up Dalek. So good. <laughs> Now, one of the things we always do at Spanish Chaps is we like to, to just give you a, an overview of the time period we're looking at. So when we looked at the Troughton you know, years, we would tell you what was happening in 66 to 69, that sort of thing. Um, so we're doing the Matt Smith era. <laughs> you realise this is the last time we're going to do this bit of the show. It is. Because even though we're going to do a couple more, this is the last time we do a history. You'll, you'll never learn anything from us again. That's right. Sweet. I can sleep in. <laughs> yeah. So I guess for the last time, Time lads, would you throw the fast return switch, please?
Today we're heading back to those hazy magic days of 2010 to, well, right now. It's often said that if you can remember Woodstock, you probably weren't really there. But if you can't remember 2010 to 2013, you probably have been taking far too many drugs. It's a big time for environmental disasters. An explosion at BP's Deepwater Horizon rig in the Gulf of Mexico causes a massive oil spill that becomes the worst environmental disaster in United States history. Brazil and Pakistan are devastated by floods. Hurricanes Irene and Sandy wreak havoc across the Caribbean, Cuba, Jamaica, Puerto Rico and the United States. And the Philippines is rocked by a series of huge storms. And there are earthquakes in Haiti, Chile, China, Turkey and New Zealand. In Japan, a quake triggers a tsunami that seriously damages two nuclear power plants, contaminating water, soil and crops in the area. And a huge volcanic eruption in Iceland grounds planes across Europe in the largest air traffic shutdown since World War II. Ben and John think it's very important I tell you that the volcano is named... <laughs> I have fired Leia Kutel. North Korea continues its dream of becoming a terrible Michael Bay movie with an ongoing nuclear standoff between themselves and the US. North Korea warns the US to expect unexpected horrible disaster, entirely misunderstanding the meaning of the word unexpected. While South Korea reveals they also have weapons of mass destruction with the release of the single Gangnam Style by Psy. It's the start of the Arab Spring, a wave of revolution and protests across the Arab world. Protests force the resignations of the presidents of Tunisia and Egypt, while uprisings in Libya and Syria turn into civil wars. Europe remains in debt, making it tragically unlikely Greece will ever host the Eurovision Song Contest, and China becomes the second largest global economy, surpassing Japan. Australia sets a new record for Prime Ministers, with a total of four of them in this period, although two of them turn out to be the same person wearing different hats. <laughs> in the US, Barack Obama is re-elected in 2012, foiling Mitt Romney's attempt to be the first Bond villain as president. <laughs> Obama becomes the first sitting United States president to support same-sex marriage, and in 2013, Kevin Rudd became the first Australian Prime Minister to do the same. In August of that year, same-sex marriage is legalised in New Zealand, making it the first country in Oceania and the 15th overall to allow same-sex couples to marry. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the Vatican, Jorge Mario Bergoglio <laughs> becomes the winner of the 266th series of So You Think You Can Pope <laughs> and is crowned Pope Francis. When it comes to technology, it's like we're living in the future. In 2012, the SpaceX Dragon becomes the first private commercial spacecraft to successfully attach to the International Space Station. And scientists find the Higgs boson at the Large Hadron Collider. It was down the back of the couch. Most impressively, the Apple Corporation releases an app that allows you to look into parallel universes. Named Apple Maps, it reveals... <laughs> It reveals that in some universes, Jerusalem doesn't exist. Berlin is in Antarctica and there is a train station in Fitzroy. <laughs> Scientists expect to discover a way to cross over to these mysterious realms as soon as they can find where the Apple store went. 
WikiLeaks all over the place, publishing massive amounts of information pertaining to the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War and US diplomacy. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange becomes sort of unavailable for comment when he seeks diplomatic asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, using a cardboard cutout of Mr Humphreys from I being served as a surprisingly effective decoy. <laughs> the official international years for this period are the International Year of Biodiversity, the International Year of Chemistry, the International Year of Cooperatives, and the International Year of Quinoa. Or quinoa, if you're common. <laughs> Words of the year from the American Dialect Society include app, occupy, hashtag, nom, and humble brag. And the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year for 2013 is selfie. <laughs> the 2010s mark the first decade in which the population of Earth is more urban than rural, as the number of people living in cities and urban areas reached 50% in 2007. As of 2013, the average age of humans globally is 30 years. In 1950, it was only about 24. And finally, 2013 marks the 50th anniversary of the television program Doctor Who. The live podcast series Splendid Chaps is created to celebrate the anniversary for the whole year with a main series of 11 episodes culminating on November 21st at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image where the history section covers the years of 2010 to the current day and reads, It's often said that if you can remember Woodstock, you probably weren't really there. But if stop, you can't no, remember stop, 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 no, stop, stop, stop. It's time to move on and talk about, uh, of course, Matt Smith and the 11th Doctor. To do that, we'll need some guests. Yes, we will. Petra, can you tell us who our guests are going to be? Of course I can, Ben. first splendid chap is a comedian, disability advocate and writer. She cut her activist teeth at the age of 14 by conducting an access audit of shops on the main street of her hometown in Stall, which didn't take long. It was a pretty short street. She is also a two-time state finalist in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival's Raw Comedy Competition, has hosted eight seasons of Australia's first disability culture program, No Limits, and used to teach kids about bugs and dinosaurs at Melbourne Museum. Now, she's the editor of ABC's Ramp Up website. Our other splendid chap is one of Australia's top stand-up comedians. He's performed in clubs and festivals around Australia and the world, co-hosted radio programs for Triple J, Triple M and Mix 94.5, appeared on TV shows including Good Newsweek, Spicks and Specs and Librarians, and won the Festival Directors Moosehead and Piece of Wood Awards at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. He currently co-hosts the weekly live comedy show The Shelf with Adam Richard, with whom he frequently discusses Doctor Who on the accompanying podcast. One of them was almost patted on the head by Kevin Rudd, while the other once named a comedy festival show after a Batman comic. They are Stella Young and Justin Hamilton. Over here. Excellent. We've never had a roadie before. You didn't see what happened before uh, we were down here, and uh, Stella and I were kind of, you know, we, when comedians get together, they like to hang a bit of shit on each other. And I hung some shit on Stella, and I ran up the stairs and was like, ah, and she floated up the stairs and shot me with a laser. I had yep. no idea. Borrowed me one of those Dalek discs. <laughs> <laughs> Trans solar disc. 
Where did you get one of those? From the 1960s? <laughs> yes, apparently. That's fantastic. Now, we always like to ask, I guess, how they got into Doctor Who. Let us start with you, Mr. Hamilton, because your, your love of the Doctor is well known. Uh, uh, it is, it is. And holy shit, you have got silent cufflinks. <laughs> oh, it's good to be here. Uh, Stella and I, before, we were... Just getting into the spirit of things. Uh... I had a I had a, a friend of the family. He was a, a little bit older than me, and he uh, he got me into Tom Baker. Tom Baker was my first doctor, and uh, back then it was a, it was all the books, you know, uh, reading the books and uh, watching it on TV. So I was around the Tom Baker, and the reruns of John Pertwee were the uh, the first doctor that I came into contact with. And then uh, Baker into Davidson was the first regeneration. You never forget your first regeneration, do you? So. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I was lucky enough to meet Peter Davison uh, as a young fellow, and uh, I said nothing of interest because I was a young fellow. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of the uh, the, the gateway in. Mm-hmm. Wow! And Stella, we are so excited <laughs> because, <laughs> because we kind of have always wanted to get someone on the show who was really awesome, but had never seen Doctor Who before. And we just everyone we asked had seen it, and then I asked Stella if she'd like to be on the show, and she said. I've never seen Doctor Who. And I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because now I, I went, get... no. <laughs> I, I get to choose who your first Doctor will be. Uh, so, so we set you some homework for tonight, Stella, and you quite enjoyed it. Tell I us about your experience. I quite enjoy it. I mean, my, my first and most profound observation was that Matt Smith is a total spunk. So I was, I was relieved that that was at least, you know, even if I hated the show, there was at least going to be, you know, a skinny, dorky chap that I could, you know, have a little crush on. Adorkable. Um, adorkable, <laughs> indeed. Um, so, but I, I quite liked it. I always kind of, um, di- I, I didn't dislike it because I hadn't seen it, but I always just thought that I wouldn't really be into it. And I have to say, I might watch some more. Right. <laughs> Here we go. That's what I like. You've, you've given her a little bit of a taste. Just yeah. have a taste. And then yeah. jack up the price. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> was there something, though, like what, what – I'm, I'm so excited this is this, you know, fresh. What struck you as a kind of what the moment? Like, like was there anything in the show that seemed so strange to you? Um, I mean, a lot of it seemed really strange. And I, and I, think, I think for me, I was – because I was new to it and I thought, oh, God, I don't, I don't, have, a, I don't have a way in. I'm not going to know what's going on. Um, I I spent the whole first episode kind of going, oh, I don't know what that is because I've missed, you know, the, the other, you know, 249 episodes. <laughs> and, you know, th- that's, what, that's what the issue is. Um, but when I watched the next episode, it turns out that wasn't an issue at all because everything's always different. Mm-hmm. And they're actually quite self-contained. That's why I'd never watched it before because I thought... Oh well, I've I've missed so much. Clearly, like I can't. You can't just start watching it now. Um, but apparently, you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I did quite it, successfully. It's very unusual that because in some ways it is an anthology show, like The Twilight Zone, except it happens yeah. to have like two characters that that continue from story to story. Hmm. And that was in the original brief for the show. They were like, we want a show where we can have a small regular cast, but we want to specifically have a format that doesn't exclude any idea that someone might come to us with. We don't want to say we don't want your script because it doesn't work for our show. So they went, well, let's have a machine that goes anywhere and anywhere in time. So it was, yeah, they, they did a good job. They did do a good <laughs> well job. Well done, Sydney Good Newman. job, BBC. <laughs> so we, we will talk about Matt Smith. We like to give you, again, educational. We like to give you a bit of a history about the actor as well. Let's find out a little bit more about Matt Smith. Hey, time lads.
Oh, that was smooth. We've never had a band before. Yeah. I want one for life. I want one that just follows me down the street. So, you know, I'll go to the shops and they'll do this. Hi, I'd like to buy some milk, please. Thanks for the change. I'll see you later. Oh, in, in the kitchen. How good would it be in the oh, kitchen? What would you do in the kitchen, oh, Justin? I was like, oh, you know what? I feel like a snack. And I... <laughs> and because I, I don't think we've milked that gag quite enough, Stella, where do you think you need more music in your everyday life? <laughs> what would you be doing without music, Stella? I walk in and look at it. Yeah. That is good. I think that would re- produce the funkiest sweater ever knitted. Yeah, I could make me a rad Doctor Who scarf with that kind uh, of yeah. soundtrack. I Are reckon. you going to make one now? Now that um, you're getting into the show? Uh, look, I've been asked a million times because as soon as people find out I can knit, someone inevitably says, you know, oh, can you knit me a Tom Baker scarf and I, or, or a Doctor Who scarf? And I actually thought until yesterday that all of the doctors wore the scarf. But, no, it was very specific um, to Tom Baker. But um, scarves are the most boring thing in the world to knit. Like, they're just, it's just one <laughs> stitch over and over again for infinity. Wibbly well, particularly if it's an actual Tom Baker scarf. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, yes. Because so, the, the story is that the costume designer, they gave her a bag of wool and said, can you, can you knit us a really long scarf? And they didn't specify how long it was, so she just kept knitting until yeah. she ran out. <laughs> but you know what might have been happening? Maybe that band was hanging out with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my rule is I don't need anything that's taller than me, so it's kind of out. <laughs> Thank you, you for joining us for Splendid Knits, the <laughs> podcast all about wool. Oh, um, we should have brought the Doctor Who pattern book. <laughs> That's an actual book. Hey, here's an idea. Let's find out about Matt Smith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It was said that if you could remember Woodstock... No! Oh, oh my God, you've got <laughs> silence cufflinks. <laughs> <laughs> Time that. I couldn't decide which dance Shut up! <laughs> you know, I actually do live with one of the time lads and I'm expecting music every moment of the day yeah. now. <laughs> I was hoping for the bassist. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Hey, Matt Smith! Matt, Matt Smith! Matthew Robert Smith, listed appropriately as Matt Smith 11 on the Internet Movie Database, was born in Northampton on October 28, 1982. In between Peter Davison's first two seasons of Doctor Who, the same day marked the 38th birthday of actor and writer Ian Marta, who played fourth Doctor companion Harry Sullivan. Sadly, Marta died exactly four years later on his and Matt's birthday. He was aged 42. Like ninth Doctor Christopher Eccleston, the young Matt Smith had dreams of being a footballer. Unlike Eccleston, he was actually good at the game. (laughs) playing for several youth teams in the East Midlands before spinal problems put an end to his chances for a professional career. He hadn't considered acting, but Mr Hardingham, the drama teacher at his school, signed him up without his knowledge to play juror number 10 in a production of 12 Angry Men. Matt was also entered into a drama festival. He didn't turn up because he thought acting wasn't that cool, but 
Hardingham, sensing talent, persisted, eventually getting Smith to sign up with the National Youth Theatre in London. He went on to study drama and creative writing at the University of East Anglia, and during these early years he was spotted by agent Wendy Padbury, who had played Zoe in Doctor Who back in the 1960s. Before he'd even graduated, Smith was cast in a couple of new plays, including On the Shore of the Wide World in April 2005, which quickly transferred to the National Theatre. Matt stayed at the National for 18 months, appearing in several plays, including the second cast version of Alan Bennett's The History Boys. This and several other lauded stage roles led to his first appearance in the West End in Swimming with Sharks opposite Christian Slater. His first television role came in 2006, when he played Jim Taylor in the adaptation of Philip Pullman's first Sally Lockhart novel, The Ruby in the Smoke, starring Doctor Who's own Billy Piper. 2007 was a busy year with the role of Danny Foster in the BBC series Party Animals, two episodes of acclaimed anthology series The Street, and working with Billy Piper twice more in the second Sally Lockhart adaption, The Shadow in the North, and an episode of her hit series Secret Diary of a Call Girl. He also filmed a scene as a younger version of Ralph Fane's character in the dark comedy In Bruges, but ended up on the cutting room floor. In what we might consider now the calm before the Stormageddon in Matt Smith's career. <laughs> he only made a few screen appearances over the next couple of years in police drama Moses Jones and his first feature film, the sci-fi cloning drama Womb, opposite Eva Green. In 2010, he auditioned both for Doctor Who and Sherlock. He was turned down for the role of John Watson for being too eccentric. So naturally, he was a shoo-in at the other audition. <laughs> Since playing the Doctors, he's had little time for anything else. Though he has appeared in biopics playing novelist Christopher Usherwood and Olympic rower Bert Bushnell. And recently wrapped his first Hollywood film, How to Catch a Monster, co-starring Christina Hendricks and Eva Mendes, and directed by Ryan Gosling. He filmed his final scenes as the Doctor last month, and presumably, to destroy any chance of typecasting, will star in December as Patrick Bateman in the world premiere musical adaption of American Psycho. <laughs> so let's start with you, Justin Hamilton. Okay. What do you think about Matt Smith and the I, 11th Doctor? I, I find him to be completely charming. Uh, I, I kind of feel like uh, when you know the Doctor's going to regenerate, it always feels a little bit like, say you're driving along and your girlfriend calls and says, I need you to pull over, and you pull over and she breaks up with you, and you think, oh my God, I'm devastated, and then you look out the window and you go, oh my God, I'm out the front of a whorehouse. It's... <laughs> it's, it's devastating, but there's so many options all of a sudden. <laughs> I think you're the first person ever to make that particular analogy yeah. <laughs> And that's why I'm Hamo But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was, uh, it was, it, you're always disappointed Like I was disappointed when, uh, when Baker was leading But I, I love Davidson as well And, uh, and you know, uh, coming back to it I, I thought that first season with Eccleston was great And then uh, I enjoyed Tennant a lot I thought he was fantastic But the way they built up his story When it was getting towards the end I was like, alright, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for him to transfer uh, To regenerate over And I, I think it was within I think it was the moment that he uh, had a crack at young Amelia Pond And said, you're Scottish, fry me something I went, oh, I am in I like this guy <laughs> He is amazing I've got to say, I think Such it's a for... Asia, though <laughs> <laughs> 
terribly rude guest. Oh, the, 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 the clip we just watched here was from the 11th hour, and I, I must admit, I don't think any doctors have had that great uh, first story. Oh, before, I was just like, about to, to say, I yeah. reckon it's the best first episode for a doctor. I, I, you get so many different looks at him, and it's, uh, it also uh, set the precedence for where the, the series was going to go. Uh, you know, you, you, I think you got, uh, you got a strong character in Amelia very quickly. You also got a hint of Rory very, uh, very soon. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a fantastic first episode. And then, I, I don't know about you guys, but seeing all the different Doctors, and you saw McGann there, and there was, you know, the nerdy part of you just went, oh, my God, they're recognising McGann. Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that, so it ticked a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. And Stella, this is, like, pretty much your first episode, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was my first episode, and I was really, I was really worried that I was going to dislike it. Um, and I didn't – I had this very set idea of what I thought Doctor Who looked like. Um, it, uh, not, not the actual Doctor, because I did understand that, you know, he's a different person all the time. But you were wondering um, where the scarf was, weren't you? I was wondering where the <laughs> scarf was, and I also thought that he was a different person all the time in much the same way as Libby from Neighbours is a different person <laughs> all the time. Like, I didn't realise that the... I didn't realise that the different actors thing was a thing. Like, I just thought that they tried to sneakily replace him all the time and they'd been doing it for far too long. So I was really, I was really relieved to, to discover that that was not the case. And, and, what, um, and what did you think about Matt Smith? Have the 11th Doctor hit you? Oh, it, well, he, he's the only Doctor I'm really familiar with. I knew that David Tennant was um, a previous Doctor um, and I, you know, like a lot of his work. But, and so Matt Smith, I thought... Oh well, I wonder if he's as if he's because I've got nothing to compare him to. Um, I think he's great, but I I don't know what any of the other doctors are like. So for me, he's the number one doctor, <laughs> and a bit of a spunk, as I mentioned earlier. Um, although I I I do fear for him if he's in a film with Ryan Gosling, that's going to be possibly unfair. Um, but I think <laughs> that's unfair was, to everyone, including yeah. the female actresses. <laughs> that's that's why Ryan Gosling's just directing. Yeah, yeah if Ryan Gosling is the next doctor. I think that he will have to take the number one spot. Um, but but I, I think Matt Smith is great, and I really enjoyed it. I don't know I don't know um, whether I'd have enjoyed it any more or less with um, with a different doctor. Yeah, but this is the great thing because for, for us nerdy nerdy nerds, it's always that thing of, of there's always this element of comparison. We've talked about how Doctor Who is one of the only television shows in the world, I think, in which you only compare it to itself. You yeah, know, like mm. any other show, you'll say, well, this show is different to, you know, The X-Files is different to Fringe in this way, for example, and you'll talk about the difference between them. Doctor Who, you end up always going, this bit of Doctor Who is different to this other bit of Doctor Who. So mm. it's actually exciting that you're going in saying, this is the Doctor, you know, yep. Matt's with the Doctor. So what elements of his character appeal to you? How would you just define him? Um, I kind of like how um, silly and sort of kind of clumsy he is. Um, and I, I don't know how that compares to, to previous ones, but I like how kind of um, he's quite whimsical, I think. Um, so I, I quite like that about yeah, him. I, I like that as well. You know, uh, my, I think my favourite episode of Doctor Who is the uh, A Christmas Carol. I, I, I love that episode so much. And I, I love it from the moment that he appears down the chimney. And the first thing he does is he goes up and introduces himself to the children. And I think that just kind of sums up uh, Matt Smith's Doctor right there. This period of the show, too, very big... Uh, including kids. Kids are, have very rarely been characters in the show up yeah. until now, and we get a lot of children. And they've talked about it being fairy tales was kind of the the, the idea they were going for. Yeah. And it's funny how sometimes I think that's hugely successful, and sometimes it, it doesn't work. There's there's a high fail rate. There, think, there, there there is like I, I've loved you know even a bad episode of Doctor Who. Um, it's better than a lot of things, but uh, sometimes it does. 
border on the and love will get us through and no do something really smart it's like, it's like, that, it's like that one episode uh, with Craig when he, you know, they're trying to turn him into a Cyberman and he yeah. resists it because of the love for his son he says I blew them up with love and the doctor goes no 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 it's much more complicated than that you, you did the thing and you did the and then you yeah okay you blew them up with love <laughs> at least you're hanging a lampshade on it now yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it, it's cool that they put kids in it because Matt Smith is so good with kids. Yeah. I have a friend, I mentioned this on the podcast before, my friend Bridie thinks that he would be, it would have been so great if the young Amelia had gone travelling with him in the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. oh, and, I, yeah. and I agree with that. I think that would have been fantastic because any time he sits down with a kid in the show, you're just like, you, it's like your best mates. And I, for me, that's one of the things that I love about his character because the, the traits that I love in The Doctor so much is that he is very smart, he's wise, and he's a man of action, but he's also essentially... Very childish. Yes. Mm. And I think that's why it's worked as a, as a children's and a family show is that even William Hartnell's doctor, who's, he, he was like he was having a temper tantrum a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he was a very childish character. And Matt Smith really brings that out, I think. Well, even going back to, you know, that first episode, you know, when he's sitting down and he's eating uh, the fish custard mm. and uh, he sort of like looks at uh, young Amelia and, and sort of says, look at you, you know, sitting here with no parents and you're not scared at all. And then it's like, oh, that's cracking the wall must be very scary and it's like he he never talks down to her he kind mm. of he, he talks to her as an equal he gets a little bit shitty with her when she wants to drink you know it's all those <laughs> it, all those things it, it, it seems like the, the idea of them being companions would actually be a great idea i think mm-hmm. fan fiction people get to it yeah <laughs> do you think um they haven't featured children historically in it because it's really bloody scary like yeah I'm, I would have watched that most of, you know, some of the previous stuff I've seen because I watched some of the trailers from previous seasons. I had to watch them from behind a couch cushion. That is the traditional way to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really scary. really uh, locked into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're on the ball. I did read, and I went looking for this and couldn't find the exact report, but there was a report I remember that they prepared, I think back in the 70s, in which they realised that children didn't like watching children. Like it was a thing. Oh, that, that was right. that was actually in the original pitch document. They said, like, we we want this show to be for families. We don't want any children characters because kids don't identify with kids who are older than themselves. Right. And boys don't. This is what they thought in 1963. Boys don't identify with female heroines, and girls don't identify with male heroes. This is what they said in the report. And so we don't well, want prob- any. That was probably on the money in 1963. Well, possibly, yeah. yeah. And, and so they said in the show, we only, and they only described three characters, which was essentially Ian, Barbara, and the Doctor, and mm. in, in that order as well. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was, it was really interesting that they, they yeah, just didn't want any kids, and it's not really until now that you see them coming in. Because there's been kids in the show, like some of the companion characters are technically not adults. Like Adric is meant to be a teenager. Nissa yeah. is like a very young adult character oh. i think i read a reference to bbc teenagers once yeah apparently if you're 30 you're a bbc teenager <laughs> oh, <yeah>. right. <laughs> you watched you watched a few other episodes which one yeah. you watched vincent and the doctor didn't you i did oh. and i cried my little head yeah. off how many how many What's people the- here like show how many people cried watching that yeah huh? i yeah. totally did but by, by the way I, i'm looking at all the people that didn't put up your hands and i'm hoping that you're lying because i am judging you at the moment <laughs> yeah. Actually, you are hot. Yes. Can I say and whatever? I wasn't even attached to the characters yet, really. I'd only seen one episode, and I was all all over the shop. Yeah. But it's a big thing. I read of people online going, "Oh, I watched this episode, cried. Oh, I cried. You know, it's this commercial for a washing machine. I cried." And <laughs> and I am and I'm always there going, "Oh, really? Pfft, grow up!" Because I'm I'm so not someone who cries at TV shows. No, right? and, no. I, you know, and I always thought the whole I've cried at Doctor Who was really weird because I'd never cried at an episode of Doctor Who. Vince of the Doctor that. That whole final 
piece. It's so moving. It's you, so incredibly moving. You know, I, I, got, yeah. I got into. I was doing a lot of flying when it, uh, when it first came out on iTunes, and I put it onto my iPhone. And uh, you know, like I, I've got to be honest, I like having a drink on a long flight because <laughs> you're in a plane and it's free. And <laughs> and and I would I would drink a couple of bottles of red, and then I'd always just think, well, maybe I'll just uh, put on that uh, episode of Doctor Who. And every time, every time I'm on the plane because I'm a little bit drunk, and you know, I'll be looking at it going, oh, why did I put it on? <laughs> That's a totally a thing, though. They've yep. done studies that you are much more likely to cry watching any film when you're on a plane. It's something, <laughs> something to do with the humidity of the air and the fact that you're in an enclosed space. And, and the fact that you're drunk. Again, I'm maggot. And that you're drunk. Yeah. And that you're watching Vincent and the Doctor, <laughs> yeah. which will make Four you things. cry anyway. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, but It's, not, it's not interesting in that period, though, because uh, in the Rusty Davies era, we were seeing a lot of, sort of big-name guest stars. But that particular sort of season, they start getting into the idea of um, classy. It's like we start getting special writing, you yeah. know, guest stars, and and you know Neil Gaiman comes in to do an episode. That one, the Vincent and the Doctor was Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis, yeah. and and there's a lot of these actors who perhaps aren't famous, but they're really, really significant and all really, really good. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that the shows reach that point now, where it's like anyone can can be pulled into it. Well, you know, it's like, mm. uh, the, did anyone see any of the interviews with uh, John Hurt? And, you know, he was like, well, I've never done it before. And he was he was really excited to be on it. And you're thinking, you're John Hurt. <laughs> like, well, I have seen things explode out of your stomach. I have seen you be in charge of the world in the future of 1984. I have seen you do so many things. And he's excited to be on it. And you think, wow, that's really stepped up in class, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. If you were uh, able to be on the show, like if you got to be a monster, what, what monster? would you be i like the silence i think they are just really great they're just so menacing without doing a thing they're brilliant menacing without doing a thing is pretty cool yeah 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 Yeah, because that well it's well it's that's a pretty good writing yeah (laughs) just stand over there (laughs) (laughs) which which is also um the the weeping angels full amount oh yeah so again this period of yeah of of the moffat in particular seems to like the the scary force of nature yeah he's just like what thing what normal thing can i make really scary like statues Vampires. Shadows, yeah. cracks in walls, uh, people that you can't remember were there. That's not yeah. really normal, but it's really creepy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cracks in walls, cracks in the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. Shadow, I'm just yeah. like next, it'll be like books. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll ah. Just be books. <laughs> breathing. I'm going to make kids terrified of breathing. <laughs> that <laughs> he could do it. <laughs> I would. Uh, I would love to be a weeping angel, but I, as you can tell, I suffer from twitchy leg syndrome. So I'd, I'd be over there just going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we know it was you. That, that angel's. Rubbish. <laughs> so you're going to watch some more. Are you going to stick with Matt Smith or do you think you're going to go back and watch what happened before Matt Smith before you watch more of him? Um, I think I might stick with I think I might stick with this series and then maybe work, work my way backwards mm-hmm. series by series. Would Ooh. that be a sensible that idea? That would be so awesome. I mean, is that, is that well, you're, you, you guys are the experts. Is that the way to do it? Yeah. Okay. There's no wrong way to be a fan, Stella. Okay. Okay. I'm quite glad I don't have to watch it. In sequence, like from the first episode, because that's what I assumed that I would have I, to do. I know do. someone who was doing that. Someone honestly thought they had to go from an unearthly child and was actually watching it in order from, from 1963. What did they do about the gaps? They, they were watching Reconstructions. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. That would take a long time. That, that, is, that is too much commitment. I will just, mm. just point yeah. that out. I, I, think there, uh, there, I think there was an article on uh, io9.com today where so, uh, oh, yeah. they'd listed, you know, the. I think they put them in four, ca- four categories. And I, I had a... 
flick they through that. They ranked every story and episode. Yeah, so maybe oh, that's a good place to I start. But if, if you haven't seen it, you might like to go through because, the, you know, there'll be, you'll get the pleasure of agreeing with some things and then being furious with some things. <laughs> and as fans, it's always fun to be furious about something, right? That is the ultimate fan pleasure, yeah. isn't it? I, I agree with you, but I also secretly hate what you think. You know, I've been rethinking about that last, the, the sort of this end part of Matt Smith, because I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is a bit, I don't know how I feel about this. There's a couple of good bits. Um, but now I've been rethinking about it. I'm like, actually, I, there's, it's got problems, but I kind of like it still. I, I, I think, I, I don't know how everyone feels, but I feel like the, uh, the second Clara episode was, uh, for me, was a bit of a stinker. And then that kind of, it was like I couldn't quite get that stink off me as I was watching other episodes. <laughs> so when the other episodes weren't being brilliant and they were being okay, I kept thinking, oh, that second episode was so wafty, I can still smell I, it. I must admit, I'm still waiting to like Clara. I'm hoping eventually that will kick in, that, that when they give her a character maybe, that I will... Yeah. <laughs> Do, 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 do you think it's, you know, how we've talked before about, uh, you know, how the showrunners rewrite the, uh, pretty much every episode and maybe Moffat took his eye off the ball a little bit between Sherlock and getting ready for the 50th anniversary and maybe he wasn't rewriting the episodes as much? Because for me, like, the, the, the difference... Uh, uh, look, I might cause a riot here, but I will get behind Stella and please protect me. But... <laughs> The the, uh, the, uh, the maybe yeah. yeah I've got I've got the uh, riot arms yeah. on It'll be <laughs> thank fine. you <laughs> but the uh, the second Neil Gaiman episode for me was uh, I I struggled a little bit with it and that that made me very sad in my soul because I you know I read Sandman uh, month to month and I bought Black Orchid as single episodes just giving you my Gaiman credentials right there <laughs> and I wanted to love it so much and I just kind of got the end just, oh, I do yeah. think I think Doctor Who is such a hardcore project now like it yeah. takes up so much time and so much effort that. I do get the feeling that even when Russell T. Davies at the end, he was burnt out. I think you burn out a lot quicker now, perhaps, than you did back in the day. Yeah. And maybe three years is the most anyone should really be trying to do. You know, also, now. like, you know, like a, a band writes their first album and it's, it's made up of, you know, like 25 years of experience yeah. and that. Yeah. And then they have to write the second album and it's, it's like, oh, I miss my girlfriend and I'm in a hotel because they I haven't had, had time today. to experience yeah. in anything else. So maybe that's what happened with Gaiman. He's like, had all those years to go, I'm going to write about the TARDIS. And then they said, do another one. And he went, I'm in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. No, and <laughs> I, I miss my wife. Because the, the Eccleston season and, and the first match Smith season are clearly, you know, Russell T and, and, and Moffat have been thinking about this for years. Yeah. This is this is their idea of what they would do for a series, and they're both really well sort of crafted in that way. So I think that's possibly quite true. Yeah. Um, before we move into the future of Doctor Who, though, we should talk about the future of Doctor Who. Um, do we have anything else we wanted to, to talk about with with Eleven? Did you want to mention anything? Uh, no, I think. I mean, I he is one of my all time favorite Doctors, and I think for me, he kind of saved the new series for me a bit because, like you, Justin, I I was I was ready for Tenet to leave, and I, I should say, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I was quite down on Tenet now, Tenet episode, but I I did enjoy him. Yeah, I just thought we'd had enough of of him. I, I quite like the the arc. I felt like the arc was actually, you know, I, I think with the I think the last line was the key to the whole Tenet run of you know him not wanting to go. Mm. Uh, <laughs> look at the silence. Look at the silence. Look at the cufflinks. <laughs> but um, but that kind of that kind of said to me, oh, this is where you have been going this whole time, mm. and that that kind of justified, and, you know, like there was the waters of Mars and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think they were kind of almost, even though I I, I loved him and I loved the, the the final few episodes, I felt like they were setting us up 
correctly to, yeah. to be prepared for a new doctor. Where yeah. I, I don't know if I'm... I've got to be honest, I'm not really certain if I'm ready to say adios to Matt No, Smith. it seems very sudden, doesn't it? Yeah. it I'm announced. not. I'm only three episodes in and I've got lots more... I feel like there's lots more enjoyment to be had. Well, well see, but you're only you. You've got a whole. Th- you've still got all three seasons of his yeah. stuff to watch. Yeah, right. Whereas okay. we've we've already been through those, and then we found out that he was leaving at the end of the year. And, and normally, there's a bit more. Like there's a whole. They sort of announce at the end of this season he's going to leave, or, yeah. and it's it's a bit different. Um, but but yeah, so it did seem quite sudden. I don't think I'm quite ready because I really like him a lot. Like he's uh, before I realised that actually my favourite is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, he was he. I used to say he was in my top three, and if I had to name a top three, he probably still is yeah. in it. If I can make the top three a top four, um, <laughs> of course he can. Well, they've 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 changed the number of doctors. They've changed so the number anyway, so I can have yeah. My war favourite uh, is <laughs> is Matt Smith, um, but he yeah he's really he's and and he won me over very quickly, like with you, yeah. Stella, because when he when they announced it, because it's such a big deal now, who's going to be the next Doctor? Because it's such a tremendously successful show now. Um, they did a special where they did a little interview with him and they kept it a massive secret until that came out. And and uh, there was, I mean, there were a lot of people probably reading a lot too much in the fact that he was waving his hands around while he was talking about being excited about doing the show. But I just thought, you know, I kind of wanted someone older, but I can tell you're going to be able to play it old. And that's the other thing about him is he, he is young, but he, he's able to play childish, but also that immense kind of age and, and experience behind it. But, you know, we're, we're always, you know, just as, as fans of things in general, we're always quick to jump at something being terrible before it happens. Yeah. Hello, Ben Affleck. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, I think, you know, people saw that he was young and it's like, no, he can't be young. He must be old. And then, and now he's fantastic. And then now yeah. we've got Capaldi and people are going, no, he must be young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a suggestion for the 14th Doctor then. Yes. Is, it, no, is, is that what we're up to? No, it would, kind of, sort of, kind of. <laughs> they, they've done a thing that's ruined it for numbering, but don't worry okay. about that. You'll <laughs> find out. <laughs> I'll find out. Um, I think I think Peter Dinklage would make an excellent doctor. Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah. disabled yeah. people only ever get to be the baddies. You know, it's so doctor interesting who. that you say that. Will Anderson and I were recently talking about how we want him to be Batman. Oh, he yes. could do both. That's how strong he is. As an actor. Oh yeah, including my bed. But that's that's, an, that's for another Stella, one. Stella, um, <laughs> there, is, there is actually a show in the comedy festival that's a mashup of Harry Potter and Doctor Who. Oh. And the guy playing Doctor Who in it is a man of short stature. And apparently is amazing. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, the, there you go. Someone in the audience has that's seen it. That's one of it. the most positive heckles you'll ever hear, my yeah. friend. <laughs> Notice it's about a show that's not the one currently on. But that's fine. That's fine. Awesome. I thought you were sort of awesome. implying this is like Stella's fan fiction has come to life. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, how hard did you wish that Peter Dinklage <laughs> would be a doctor? No, but uh, yeah, that he would be. I think I, he would yeah. be amazing. Because when I when I posted I posted on Facebook today that I was coming to talk at a Doctor Who thing, and I'd only watched my first episode of Doctor Who yesterday, um, people, you know, chimed in and, and, like, showed me all the connections between um, disabled people and, and Doctor Who, quite aside from the very obvious connection of the Daleks. Mm. Um, they're, they're called... They, they, yeah, I just had this terrible feeling that I got yeah. that wrong. No, no, that no, wasn't no, a Dalek. No, no, no. The Dalek, Dalek right was in your like, oh. I only just realised like, that your homework didn't include any Daleks. No, it didn't, it didn't include <laughs> any Daleks at all. And that was what I was looking out for the whole time, going, where are, where are those things I'm, that are supposed to be all relevant to me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so many... Like, so many disability theorists have written about the relevance of the Daleks to disabled oh, uh, yeah, people, so, and there was well, not a one. Also, there was this slight awkward moment when we were setting up, and I went, hang on, 
if Stella's next to the da- like, is that going to suggest she's Davros? Yeah. Are, are we? <laughs> Maybe, but a guy that a guy that I actually know, um, someone posted on Facebook to say that um, Nabil Shaban, um, who's a disabled actor from the UK, who's got the same condition that I have, uh, he played Sil, he who is Sil. apparently he's so good as well. Yeah, yeah. and he's—I he's, mean—he's an incredibly talented actor. But and has awesome he? Dude. I heard that he said he wouldn't do that now. He felt no, he was... wouldn't do that now. And politically, yeah. most of us wouldn't do wouldn't play roles like that now because. Um, you know, that's that's the only time that disabled people ever get to be in um, in fiction and in the media is as is as objects of manifestations of evil, essentially, which is what Davros mm. Davros represents as well. And that's mm. all that's all really old school. And we're trying to to change perceptions, which is why I think that if the doctor was a disabled person, that would be a much better approach. There and all a... you able bods can be the evil ones. <laughs> How do you like them apples? Well, I do. I, <laughs> I'm into it actually. Yeah. I do got to say, Stella. In, in that last Matt Smith season that we're talking about, in fact, in the Neil Gaiman episode, uh, Warwick Davis is in it mm. and does not play an object of evil. Quite Excellent. the opposite, in fact. He's yeah. brilliant. And it, I think, yeah, I'll be interested to talk to you about it, actually. Excellent. But it's, it's, he's very good in it. Yeah. But he's yeah. pretty good in everything. Yeah. He is good. But he's it is true those. that Doctor Who often uh, does, it, it does seem to be that the, the monsters are often representations of disability. Mm. It's, it's that fear of... If the character's not evil enough, just give him a nasty disfiguring scar or an eye patch and uh, that Bob's your uncle. But you have no idea how much you evil. are prefiguring what is coming oh. <laughs> when you watch through the Matt Excellent. Smith era. <laughs> it's quite amazing. <laughs> Um, but we're, we're going to talk about that in our Sydney episode, but we'll talk about that later. Well, we're also going to talk about the future. So why don't we yes. have a, a little look at some future again with the time-space visualizer. We've prepared three visions of the future from TV's Doctor Who. Let's have a look at those now. Wow. That's so there were some like. clips there from Any of the World from the 60s, Warriors of the Deep from the 80s, and Utopia from... From today, the greatest hits of the 60s, 80s, and today. Um, <laughs> one Who is them? One of the things interesting, I think, is uh, people always say you can tell a lot about society from what it feels about the future and it's science fiction. Um, and I like the fact that the 60s clip is all like hovercraft and sexy PVC gear and... <laughs> and fantastic music and terrible gun sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, pew, pew, pew. And, and bum, the bum, 80s bum, is bum, all bum. to do with nuclear war and, and, you know, looking like you're out of the Michael Jackson thriller video. <laughs> and, and computers. And computers and tech and maybe a fear of tech. And then the Utopia clip, I kind of go, look, all I'm really picking up from this is that you don't like people who go to the Meredith Music Festival. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a way. People from the evil people from the future are the and people with piercings and kind. tattoos. <laughs> What what but what do we think that is telling us now? What do you think? Who thinks of the future? What do you think our vision of the future is at the moment, Stella? Um, look, I think that I think that we're finding it hard to imagine the future because we all kind of remember the past, and like I. When I was a child, I fully believed that by the time I was a teenager, I would have a hover chair, and it has been such a disappointment that I think. I think that we we um, are maybe actually finding it hard to imagine what the future is like because all of these things that we didn't think were possible are possible, but things that we did think were possible are not that that they're not here yet. So um, I, I mean, I mean, I was impressed. Um, John gave me a whole bunch of clips to watch about depictions of the future in Doctor Who. Um, 
And I was impressed that the future looked so eco-friendly, made out of all those egg cartons and bubble wrap left over from the from the eighties. Um, and I was I was also very impressed that it, they've been able to predict the future trend of people wearing onesies in public. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that was going to become a thing? That's interesting, isn't it? I also think that, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time thinking that Armageddon was coming, you know, it was like mm. Halley's Comet, and then, oh, my God, it's going to be the year 2000. Oh, my God, it's going to be the Mayan calendar. And and then we've uh, we've overcome all these made-up things, and now we're kind of going, oh, uh, quickly check to see if there's anything else to be paranoid about. Oh, that, oh, oh, ah, we're just going to die, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like a – it's almost like, well, we've – we, we've overcome all these obstacles that we thought were going to be the end of us, and now, now we have real things like, you know, global warming, and mm. we have a, you know, someone like a prime minister who says, mm. I, I, I don't believe in anything I can't see, says the Catholic, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I just... He's not very much like a prime minister, though. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of I wish problem. he'd regenerate. That's what yeah. I wished would happen. You know, the fears are... Uh, fears of we don't know who the enemy is anymore you know like there's a we live in a time of you know it could be like it could be a terrorist sitting next to you oh no it's a grown-up sitting next to a child on a on a plane he's a pedophile you know we're we're Mm. always jumping at shadows about things and i think that's kind of what we're starting to see in doctor who these things where uh, the, the enemy isn't quite as um isn't quite as focused and as more malleable one of the things, too, because I actually was thinking of Stella's idea that it's almost like we don't believe in the future anymore. We have no future. Yeah. Well, no, it's almost like, uh, yeah, like we assume the future will just be like it is now with smaller phones or bigger phones or... Or, is, know, or, or, is or it something the, instead of Twitter. Like yeah. it's, it's, or is it the other way around? Because like in the, in the 50s, people thought they knew where technology was going. And the rate of change was fast, but it wasn't so fast that you couldn't kind of imagine where it would go. Whereas now you think about what technology was like five years ago and you can't imagine using a computer that was made oh, then. Mm. Yeah, like, like sometimes I do like to sort of sit there and, and look at my phone and think, I am touching glass to connect to people overseas. Like, that, that's so commonplace now. Like, I was in, I went and saw the movie Blue Jasmine. And I'm not making this up. I saw a woman in her 60s on her iPhone all the way through it and I was, I, I didn't know whether to be furious or to be enchanted. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I turn off your phone, look at that lady just going, do, 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 do. it was, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to remember that that was not a common thing and, and something that I never thought was going to happen. There is actually a clip on YouTube um, put out by Apple in the 80s of what they thought the future was going to be. All of the different devices, you know, reading a newspaper and they weren't far off. It's just, you know, instead of opening up a book that looks like a newsletter, we've We've got this, you know. So it's it's interesting to see where they thought we were going to go, and they they almost engineered us to go there anyway. Yeah, so there yeah. are people who can predict the future there, there was, and make it so. There was that court case recently with uh, Samsung. Apple was suing mm. Samsung oh, for yeah. the concept of the tablet computer, and Samsung was going, "Well, actually, these are in 2001: A Space Odyssey. They're in Star Trek. You can't, you know, you can't copyright." the idea of it uh, yeah. as a concept because it actually predates you massively. But one of the interesting things was I think it was Star Trek Next Generation it has this thing where people will bring what looks very much like an iPad with a, a journal on it. It's, to it's actually captain. called a pad with but, two Ds. But they bring like a stack of seven of them. Yeah. You know, right. so, it's, so it's like not the idea that one of them 
will rule them all. But the idea that there's still going to have to be one per that 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 leap that jump to yeah. to the minimalist. Yeah, I, I think uh, I saw something interesting on uh, on the weekend. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine has uh, you know there's a lot of tattoos now and piercings and that. And uh, my friend had been to Japan, and a mate of his now uh, has had uh, the body mo- modification of he's had silicon put into his hand and 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 shaped so it looks like a spider. And I'll be honest, that is not cool. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, I think that's kind of where we're going to be going now. It's going to be uh, body modification. It's going to be uh, the chips that allow you to plug into things. And, and even though even me saying it's, it feels a little bit crazy, uh, once again, we touch glass. Yeah. Right? So and I still think... no one can make me a hover chip. I don't <laughs> understand. we to get onto it, right? Yeah. Ridiculous. Also, that's the thing, like, like the clip we of Utopia. These are the future kind. They're at the end of time. And they're just some dudes with tattoos and piercings. It's like a hundred. Yeah. yeah, I found that profoundly disappointing because yeah. it's like a hundred trillion years in the future, and even when they go five billion years in the future, yeah, it just it's like it's like the future of the nineteen fifties. It's well, all flying cars and tall buildings. Th- those guys just look like angry baristas who work on Smith Street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Show me your teeth. Show me your teeth now. Make me a latte. <laughs> yeah, all right. You can come in. Um, it's yeah, as it's long weird. as it's a soy latte. Yeah, <laughs> but I, the thing I find interesting about the the middle clip, like from the eighties, where they're trying to show, like, what is that? Twenty, I forget, it's the twenty third century or twenty fourth century. No, no, no. It's one of those it's set exactly one hundred years after the time that was made. So oh, it's, so it's, it's the twenty eighty four. Oh, right. So it's fifty yeah. years and the guys still playing asteroids. Well, it's just, but that's like they, they can imagine. It's like you were saying with the pads, where they had a stack of them. Like they can imagine that you might plug your brain into a computer, but they can't imagine that that then means you don't have to type. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that you don't have to have pictures on a screen that look like you're playing <laughs> missile commands. Like it's just, and that, and, and the computers are always they're the, always the. It, it's hard. It's so hard because computers change so quickly. Like you look at the, all this Doctor Who in the seventies, and even when they go into the future, all the computers are massive machines with reel-to-reel Ooh, tape recording yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, I guess it's just a super powerful one of those. Um, whereas we know now that you know you can get more computing power out of a thing in your pocket than yeah. in one of those. I've I've gone back and started uh, watching uh, some uh, old episodes of the X Files, and mm. they're amazing. Like they, I think they really hold up, and I still uh, can see why I love Mulder and Scully. I think the two actors are fantastic, and the stories are great. And you you're really into it, and then they pick up a phone, and you think, mm. oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. dates it dates very quickly. The, the mobile phone. You see someone flip their phone open. I think I know. miss flip phones so much. <laughs> I think they're great. Hey, look at me. I got a phone. Yeah, no, I, I remember I, when those were so cool, and I desperately <laughs> wanted a phone that flipped open. Yeah. It, so it makes you feel like something's happened when you've answered it, doesn't it? Because yeah. you know, because for those of us old enough to remember landlines, you used to pick them up. And it was amazing. And, uh, and that was like, oh, now I'm talking yeah. to someone. With a flip phone, at least you could press a button and we'd be like, yes, I'm on the line. Whereas now you <laughs> press a button. and Tell us about wax cylinders, Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You used to use semaphore. <laughs> and then you knew you were sending a message because your arms got tired. <laughs> <laughs> one, thing, one thing also, notice when we're going through these clips and going look at the old episodes, and, and this is a slightly stupid thing to say because it's a narrative and a trauma and it needs to have conflict, but... Doctor Who, for what is essentially a very optimistic show, has a very pessimistic view of the future. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. A lot of, um, admittedly, the the newer Who. If you look at the the episode with New 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 York, probably I had a few more too, a few too many news in there, but they they've got all of this science and technology, but at the heart of it, the evil is still 
immorality or, you know, you've got Cassandra being the last human and she's, she's the evil, you know, and there's no humanity anymore. It's, it's, there's all this science and technology, but you're still battling the, the core of what makes us good or bad. Is that because the, maybe the, an episode of an optimistic future would be quite dull? Well, because they'd get to the future and they'd go... But in theory, you could have a historical drama which is set in a world in which it's not the fact that the Victorian era is evil. For example, you're looking at characters in that drama. But the minute you go to a future, it's usually that, like you're saying, that there's something at the heart of the society that is dead or or the the entire morality of the society. You you do read... Newspapers today. No, I actually don't. All oh, right, no, neither do I. I was, that's why I was asking if John did you know, fill me in on what's going on. Uh, but, but you know the way the way people. I don't know. Like uh, I, I have. Uh, uh, I like to be optimistic, but I, in the back of my head, you know, I don't trust anyone. <laughs> you know, governments, uh, everything. I, I guess because I, I guess because technology allows us to connect so freely. Once upon a time, you just think, oh, our government's a little bit shit. Uh, but you a bit, hey, I'm hanging out with Gary. But now you can like, oh, our government's a bit shit. Oh, this government's a bit shit. Oh, this government's a bit. Oh, everything's a bit shit. And, and I, I think maybe maybe that's kind of feeding into what we're projecting into the future as well. Mm. Yeah, it's. I think that one of the contrasts, though, to that, I think, is that uh, when you see some of the older, like in the seventies, sometimes they would show you a future that was quite optimistic, like the Ark in space future. It's like, well, the Earth has been scoured and destroyed, but humanity is still alive. But even then, I think the interesting thing about that is that they imagine that we can survive great calamity, but we won't be the same. Whereas you look at what happens in New Earth, the society there is not really doesn't feel significantly different, except that it looks weird. Like, you know, you've got people who are blue instead of, you know, the normal gamut of human colours. But apart from that, they behave. Yeah. (laughs) But apart from that, they behave pretty much like people in the 21st century. But in the Ark in Space, they've got a completely different society where they've had to adapt to all the disaster and their their values are different. There's a woman in charge and in the 70s, you know, the characters find that quite confronting in a way. Sarah Jane loves it, of course. But, (laughs) but, you know, so they imagine that the society is different, whereas now it's like we – we don't bother. We're just like, but it, that mm. we've talked about this before, John. That, that was like a deliberate choice on the behalf of the production team when they mm. brought the show back that they wanted people to relate to it. So even people in the future would seem quite normal. But do you then, is it us as consumers of television? Do you think, are we less willing to embrace something particularly strange? Have we become shallower, do you think? Well, I think that's certainly not the case for viewers of science fiction. I think that's, you know, that's a weird thing to say that, that because people who seek out science fiction and fantasy, they want to know the other. Like I listened to, someone was talking about Doctor Who and how they, it always feels, particularly in the modern era, like it has to have this contemporary character in the companion who's your touchstone. And they're like, I don't want a contemporary character. I'm, I'm a science fiction reader. Like, give mm. me a robot. Like, give me somebody who's half plant. Like, I, I, will, <laughs> I will find that interesting and I will still engage with them on whatever emotional level they present. I don't have to have someone like me to understand it. And, and that should be hopefully the same with ideas of what people will be like in the future. We should be able to imagine that we will change and possibly be better, you know. Yeah. That that hardcore way of thinking, though, uh, I, I, even though I can understand it, I think it also leaves a lot of people out. And then, you know, like we've got perfect proof with you, Stella, where, you know, you, you just started watching it now and, and loved it immediately. Like, 
how would you have felt if, um, you know, the first three episodes, one of the main characters was an amorphous blob, another one was half cat, half uh, European, and yeah. another person was a, a piece of beige fabric that whistled? Well, that's kind of what I thought Doctor Who was. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I've been pleasantly surprised. I would have just been I would have just had all my suspicions confirmed if that was if that was the case. Yeah. Um but I wonder if um and I heard someone else raise this raise this point today because I've been trying to learn as much as I can about Doctor Who by talking to everybody about it. Um and they said that there's we're so cynical today that if this didn't fit firmly in the sci-fi genre instead of the fantasy genre, which is apparently kind of where it's supposed to sit. Everything within sci-fi is supposed to be theoretically, scientifically possible. And if they (laughs) didn't make it a little bit realistic, then all the physicists on Twitter would be, you know, all all those physics trolls, um, you know. (laughs) Do you think people are more kind of – sorry, I'm asking you questions because I want to know more about Doctor Who. Um, But do you think people are more – so much more cynical and ready to criticise – now that we're less adventurous with, um, you know, future visions? Well, you know, you know what, I think it's a, an interesting question. I, I think what happens is I just think negative people are more uh, prone to get their opinions out there. Like if mm. I love something, like I'm not going to write 15 tweets about why I love something. I'm just going to say, I love that. And ta-da, I'm happy. But the, the negative people like to go, I didn't like that. I didn't like his shoes. I didn't like the way he was looking to the left. What's going on with that fabric? Oh, I'm lonely. Oh, someone rubbed my tummy. Oh, I hate myself. Oh, I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> and, and so because those people are louder, mm. we, we, we tend to think, you know, like that, that's the majority of people. But then I think when you, when you meet up with like normal people and, and you talk to them about stuff, that, that, I don't think that happens quite, a, quite as often. But I think we listen to the negative voices too much. But it was like, a, you know, like a, the movie Gravity, which I, I don't know if you saw it, but I thought it was fantastic and it was a, no a, a, great, a great thriller. And, uh, you know, but then you, you, you were getting people going, well, the space stations aren't that close together. It's like, shut up. Just shut up. Just enjoy it. Speaking of optimistic and pessimistic, I, 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 just earlier when I was preparing my notes, of course, using this tome, Doctor Who, a celebration two decades through time and space. <laughs> um, I, I, I came across this quote from Peter Davison, who apparently is the Doctor. And he said, it's really no surprise to me that the program has been going on for 20 years. It's unstoppable now, I think. It has a vast following that goes on increasing all the time. I just hope we can keep producing the goods and people carry on watching for another 20 years. Oh. What a pessimist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you think that's bad. William Hartnell, when it first started, said, I think this could run for five years. Yeah. <laughs> not for you, Billy. Not for you. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. He's not here. <laughs> so to, to wrap up, because we, we have also prizes at a song we need to get to, and looking into the future, what, what do the two of you want from the future of Doctor Who? If you can wave your magic Doctor Who wand... I want to find out what on earth happened to Rory between the first episode and Vincent and the Doctor. I'm very confused about that. Um, so that's I'm my I'm very unambitious. Like I can go home and do that tonight. It'll be fine. Like, <laughs> See, that's, that's that's a good goal to uh, yeah. go for. It's yeah. achievable. Yeah. Yeah. You might get. You're going to get what you want. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. 
I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm open for anything, to be honest. Uh, I'm not really looking for anything in particular. I just, uh, I just want to continue to have uh, great stories. And uh, what I like is, um, uh, I, I think children especially should be exposed to big ideas. I think, uh, I think kids like big ideas, and I, I, I hope it just continues to produce things that will make them want to talk to their parents and their friends and, and discuss those things and make them engage with stuff. I, I heard a rumour, I don't know if anyone heard this rumour, that Capaldi might be a, a, a one-season-and-done doctor, and I find that fascinating. I, I don't know, I'm not saying that I want that to happen, but if, if that was the case, it would be interesting to see you know, with the, uh, the the little mini episode, there was some throwaway lines in that. So, if we were to get another Doctor fairly soon, I the my two Doctors that I would, well, the two actors I'd like to see, uh, I'd flip a coin between Idris Elba or uh, Helen Mirren. Oh. Yeah, how good would Helen Mirren be? That Helen would be, Mirren, like, let's be honest, senses. that would be a sexy Doctor. Mm. And Can by the way, I'm the... be a sidekick. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. By the way, I'm not going to point out, but there was a woman in the audience, as I said that, who's just slightly over there, who just was looking at me, just going, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> But so, so, something for us would be good as well, like that. <laughs> um, I, for me, I think what I want is for me to have no idea what's going to happen next. I really want them to do something that I cannot predict, because I think that that's, that's, the, that's the essence of Doctor Who for me, and the best episodes are always ones where you don't know what's going to happen next. That's why Mind Robber is one of my favourites, because it's just like, what is going on here? And I would love for that to be the future of Doctor Who, just something that I have no idea what is coming. Like, I, 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 This is why I avoid spoilers. Like, I want to be surprised, and I want to be taken somewhere that I, that I could not imagine. Because if I, if I could imagine it, maybe I'd write it. <laughs> I, want, I want the writers to imagine something that I can't imagine. Petra, do you have any any wish list for the future? I think I just would like... I mean, for me, I came in on New Who, I came in on Blink, and then I've sort of gone back and watched, you know, more. But growing up, I felt that Doctor Who was, it wasn't quite accessible for me. Um, but looking at it now, there's so many people who love it from all walks of life. And I just hope that it continues to be accessible to so many people so you know it inspires a few more people to grow up and make new who so yeah let's go for another 50 years shall we <laughs> and let's all promise to meet back here yeah <laughs> uh, 2063 i'd be 84 well, <sighs> we've, got, we've got a little bit more to do but will you please thank our guests justin hamilton and stella young And the first thing we should do, Caleb, is prizes! Thanks to our friends at BBC on DVD, um, we've got three copies here of uh, the complete seventh series, the most recent one, of Doctor Who in its shiny new packaging. We're going to give two of them away to people here in the audience. The other one is going to be given away to someone, uh, as usual, who is listening to this podcast. Um, in order to get into the running for that, they're going to have to comment on this episode when it goes up in two days' time. Good luck, John, uh, on the 23rd of November. And they need to comment on it uh, before uh, the 15th of December when we record our Christmas special show, which will be our last ever episode of Splendid Chaps. Uh, oh. why, why, why are you stopping? Why don't you just keep going? Well, cause the yeah, but wouldn't it, you like it, it, this it, show to keep going? Like, 
There you go. It, it was called the Year of Doctor Who. We feel the the, yeah. the clue was in the title. We'll do another year. <laughs> another year of yeah. Doctor Who. Splen- Splendid Chaps Two. Another <laughs> year. year of Doctor Who. <laughs> it doesn't. It's it's really, it goes for five years. Yeah, or another year of Doctor Who. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Our, on, our ongoing mission. We do have one extra special Shiny prize as well, <laughs> which is which is this guy. Uh, this is a poster um, of. The 50th anniversary special. Um, this is not available, as far as I know, to buy because this is the one from Sharmil Films, who are distributing it in oh. Australia. So it's Ooh. it's that very large. Sexy. Don't break it, John. Both total spunks. It's um, awesome. yeah. It's a uh, it's it's a unique one because it's got uh, the Sharmil Films logo on it, uh, and also it says CTC, which I learned today stands for Check the Classification. Right, <laughs> so uh, that is that is unique in all the Doctor Who posters around the world. So, um, but we thought now there's quite a few people here have come in costume today. Uh, so I think maybe we might give this to. Uh, we'll have a, a very quick costume competition. Can you, if you come in costume, can you stand up? Because clearly you're okay with people looking at you. Um, <laughs> we have lots. Oh, of Oh wow! So we got a, got a few eleven doctors here. Another one up there. Oh, that's great. Uh, Oh, we've, that we've, is we've the, got nine. We've got the yeah. Brigadier over there. That is pretty That's spectacular. Oh, oh, the Brigadier is great. Uh, are we uh, happy I, think, I think the audience has chosen the winner. Are we happy to say the, the Brigadier is... it the Brigadier? Is... Come hey. down, Brigadier. Brigadier, not just any Brigadier. Are you, in fact, Colonel? Oh, Colonel. from Web of Fear. Wow, You're Web of Fear. Fear. And it... And yeah. you've and the original and best. You're the Smith's Crisps Brigadier. Uh, and Did you and you've grown the Mo as well. Round of applause for Colonel Lethbridge Stewart. Yes. Did you Did you catch the tram like that? Almost. Yeah. Almost. I just, I just asked the brigadier if he caught the tram like that. Yeah. He said almost. But I'm pretty sure was it you was you who was tweeting tweeting that you, you put your gaiters on on the way here. And people were a bit afraid. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right, thank you very much. That is well a smashing done. outfit. Well done. Yeah. And in character, too. I know. That was great. That's that's some proper cosplay um, right there. If you want to see Doctor Who in the cinema in 3D on Sunday, Sharmil are playing it at various venues, including the Nova, I believe, Kate? Yes, the Nova has yeah. a whole... But they've got like something like 18 different screenings. But there's a special screening being introduced by former splendid chap Alexandra Tynan, who created the Cybermen design back that's in 1996. That's the, uh, the 11 a.m. screening at the Classic Cinemas in Elstonwick. Ooh. So um, if you'd like to hear her talk a little bit about her role on very early Doctor Who, she worked uh, right at the end of William Hartnell and worked with um, Patrick Trout in a bit as well. And we'd so. also like to recommend the Sun Theatre in Yarraville. They were a late, uh, a late addition to the um, to the lineup of cinemas who are showing it. So uh, and, and it's a beautiful cinema as well. So we recommend that. We'd also like to mention, of course, there is uh, there are Doctor Who fan clubs uh, around Australia, um, and one of them, the local one, the Doctor Who Club of Victoria, is having their anniversary meeting this weekend on Saturday, November the twenty third, from ten am at the Northcote Town Hall. So you can get down there and see what the official fan club is up to, or the DWCV. Um, I will probably go down there. That's not why you should go. Um, I'll be there briefly. Apparently, there's also something amazing happening at the Doctor Who pop-up shop in Richmond. They didn't get in touch with us or give us any prizes, so I'm not going to plug that. (laughs) Um, Also, I went in there, and I have to say, it's a weirdly and profoundly disappointing experience to have been a Doctor Who fan pretty much your whole life when there was never any merchandise, and then go into a shop, which is entirely Doctor Who merchandise, and go, I don't want any of this tax. (laughs) (laughs) Except the stuff I can't afford. Right. It was really disappointing. Um, So that's on. And we do have two more live shows left. Because Ben did say, this is the last of our live shows, so there's only two left. Yep. (laughs) 
This, this is the last one in our regular series of 11, um, but in our irregular series of 24, uh, we do have one in Sydney uh, on November the 30th, which is going to be uh, upstairs at the Roxbury Hotel, where we're going to be talking about monsters and villains. Our guests will be uh, Alice Fraser, a comedian, and also um, Bajo, Stephen O'Donnell from Good Game. And who's and, our other and, guest? We've got Maddie a, a special new guest. We've also added Maddie Palmer, who uh, formerly used to be the best job in the entire world. She was the programmer on Rage. How great oh. would that be as a gig? And unusually yes. enough, someone who worked at the ABC and is a massive Doctor Who fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then our very last show of all, uh, the Christmas special, is going to be on December the 15th at the Bella Union uh, at Trades Hall, where we're going to have a whole bunch of guests, both old and new, probably too many songs, I think it's fair to we, say, We John. will be joined again by the Time Lads. The Time Lads we'll, we'll will be, be there. We'll be back with us. And, yeah, we're going to cover some of the songs we didn't get through. We're going to get some of the doctors we didn't get through. So, yeah, Peter Cushing will be in there finally. Um, Richard, Richard E. Grant. Grant. We're going to talk about Richard yeah. E. Grant, John. I'm so excited. It's, look, it's going to be great. K9 and Company, because that deserves some more love. It doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> but the Sarah Jane Adventures sure does. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, they're with me. So join us for those as well. You can find all the previous podcasts at SplendidChaps.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Splendid Chaps. And uh, now we're going to have uh, our musical guest. Our musical guest. This is so unbelievably exciting. We're so excited. <laughs> so Casey Bonetto, who you might know from the Drowsy Drivers and that thing called Keating the Musical. Um, or the Terminativity. Or the Terminativity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, some Terminativity fans in the house. Amazing. Yeah. They hate Keating, but they like robots. <laughs> um, You're in the right place. <laughs> we, we asked him if he would write an original song for this. Clearly he wouldn't, because that's crazy. And then he did! <laughs> so, so here to perform a specially written number for tonight. This is the first time it's ever being performed anywhere. A tribute to Doctor Who. And back with the Time Lads and our own Petrol. you please welcome Casey Badano.
Thank you all for joining us. Happy 50th birthday to Doctor Who. And until next we meet in the final words of the first Doctor, thank you. It's good. Keep warm. You have been listening to Splendid Chats. We'd like to thank this episode's Splendid Chats, Stella Young, Justin Hamilton and Casey Bonetto. Our house band, the Time Lads, are Caleb Garfinkel, Finn O'Sullivan, Zach Watson, Nathan Power and me. TARDIS supplied by the TARDIS guy. You can find him on Facebook at the TARDIS guy. Our guest Dalek was built by Michael Lauder and Edward Felix and operated by Edward Felix. The 50 Years and Counting video was edited by Greg Walker and is available on YouTube. We'd like to thank Sean, Jay and everyone at Acme for their help with this episode. Your hosts were Ben McKenzie and John Richards. The audio engineering and theme tune were created by the technical wizardry of David Ashton from Sample and Hold Studios. You can find us at SplendorChaps.com and as Splendor Chaps on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Petra Elliott, and until next time we meet, thank you. It's good. Keep warm. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings of talks and live events, go to Acme Channel and the Acme website.